Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. And this week, we are getting 2020 started off with a bang. Um, I'm going to sit down and talk to Alexandra Houchin. Um, and I got to say, it is one of my absolute favorite conversations for the show. Um, Alexandra just has this amazing perspective. She's been on these insane bikepacking adventures, uh, including, and, and the reason why I originally reached out was to hear about the Colorado Trail, uh, in which she set a single speed record for this year, um, but also the Tour Divide, the Dirty Kanza, the uh, Arizona Trail Race. She is she has done them all, and it's incredible because if you're not familiar with bikepacking, it's essentially an ultra endurance bike race. Uh, and you know, a lot of times it's on the mountain bike and um, or down these dirty, <laughs> dirty gravel roads. Um, but it's doing it for days uh, on end. So, uh, and a lot of times completely unsupported. So super cool adventures. And Alexandra is just the epitome of an incredible human being. And I got to say, you know, talking with her and, and kind of sharing our, both of our perspectives on endurance sports, uh, I thought was really cool because I, I am so passionate about the idea of endurance sports being this way to connect with, uh, you know, other other people and being a way to connect with that part of yourself that is really trying to see how much you're able to grow and how much you're able to achieve and and how far you can really dive into the depths of your soul sometimes and you know when the races are um you know days and days like alexandra's written that's when these lessons really appear and uh and not only the lessons, but the adventures, the misadventures, uh, you know, um, it's just a way to like really kind of strip down your identity to this cr like thing that is just continuously driving yourself forward. And and we were laughing before the podcast because we're like, she just got done. She's she's not only an incredible ultra endurance athlete, but she works a full time job. She's a full time student trying to get a degree. And and, you know, real life is is busy and tough and and mentally just, you know, tiring sometimes. And it was funny talking with her because we both kind of joked about like, yeah, like once you're out on a race and all you have to do is just keep going forward and eating food like psh, that's a piece of cake like I can. I can just keep keep going, putting one step in front of the other all day, um, you know, and it actually in a weird way is relaxing, you know, compared to when you have a mental checklist of about 80 things to do. Um, so anyways, I love the conversation. I wanted to start off 2020 with this one. Uh, let's get the year started off on the right foot. And I'm hoping all of you guys listening get so inspired you sign up for a ridiculous adventure or you start planning something that you've been meaning to do for years and years, but you're always too afraid to pull the trigger. And, and now you have that, that boost, that motivation boost, because I got to tell you, when I got done talking with her, I had that motivation boost. I was pumped. And it was definitely an episode. I ran in and told my wife, I was like, this is like the best one yet. 
<laughs> which happens, you know, <laughs> quite often for the show. But I truly think that like I'm just so excited that I get to do this every single week. So um, without further ado, let's dive into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 177, all about ultra endurance bike packing with just an incredible person, Alexandra Houchin. All right, guys, this week, I'm super excited to be here with Alexandra Houchin. Um, I guess like kind of how I heard about you, I texted or messaged uh, a guy who's been on the podcast before, Scott Morris, who's really into bikepacking. And I was like, hey, I want to talk to someone who did the Colorado Trail race because like I'm fascinated by the Colorado Trail, but then like bikepacking in general just as like a topic. And he was like, you should contact Alexandra Houchin. She is riding a single speed and wears uh, steel-toed boots. And I was like, done. <laughs> so that was like the most I knew about you at that point. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I know when you contacted me, you're like, Scott Morris said I should reach out to you. And I, like, I've only interacted with him a couple times um, through like track leaders' questions or whatever because I've been doing these ultras for a while. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I felt so cool that he said to, that we should be um, talking. So I was like, yeah, for sure I'll do it. That's awesome. Scott's my, I always, I guess this, if this makes any sense at all, he's my kind of cousin where okay. his, wait, how did this work? My uncle <laughs> who like married into the family is his uncle. But we, we okay. Yeah, it's confusing. Sorry. No, that's, that's how it is in uh, Indian country too. Literally, we'll be like at the, at some event or something, and my mom will be like, "That's your cousin," and I'm like, "How?" And she's like, "So and so married, so and so and so and so and so." I'm like, "Okay, so it's like my 14th cousin, but we're still cousins somehow." Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, welcome to the show. I'm excited. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, um, Colorado Trails, man. I think it's probably. Like, I love that one as much as I love the Arizona Trail, but, like, they're both way up there for, like, technical technical riding. Like, you're riding hard single track the almost the entire time. You have a couple road detours, but um, it's so technical. But it's that elevate. You know, I live in Minnesota, so, like, going into the elevation is, like, a whole nother, like, I think it's a mental game personally, but, like, I love it for the technical and like the challenge of the elevation. Yeah. Have you ever had like really bad altitude sickness? Um, mate, like when I was like 21 or something, the first time I went to Colorado and got drunk, but, um, <laughs> that have like I, one like, beer will do it at elevation. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was like in, uh, winter park, like went to go skiing with some of my friends and we had like, I had a couple glasses of like grog or something. And I like, died that night <laughs> um and i had no idea but otherwise like as far as like athletics and stuff like that go i don't really i've never really gotten sick but i also like take i try to take really good care of my body especially those first like three or four days out racing um like drinking a ton of water like for the colorado trail race this year it started um durango to denver it switches okay. back and forth every year um, so we started in Durango and that's when you like get up, you start in Durango and you like essentially climb 6,000 feet right off the bat. Um, 
and you're up pretty high. And I just like didn't eat for two days because um, I was so nauseated. But I drink like a ton of water. Every time I saw water, I was filling up my camel back. Yeah, that's a rough way to start. It's so, it's so hard. I mean, like so many big, good, strong racers showed up this year, and like so many people drop out after after you get to Mobilist because you if you push too hard that first day, you can't keep down food. You can't, and like you need to be able to eat and drink and kind of take it easy on yourself. And I think so many people forget that about like such a hard race like the Colorado Trail. Yeah. What's like I mean, I've never done a bike packing event. Uh but like what's the strategy? Uh-huh. <laughs> Cuz like the Colorado Trail is what like almost 500 miles long, so what's like what is the strategy to survive on it? Oh man. Well, like everybody kind of does it differently and like I still, you know, I've been I've been doing this for a while. Um I still feel like I'm learning every single time, every single time I do it. Um, I almost always, I start out at the back of the pack for everything. And I watch so many people just like blow up. So like they start so fast, they get going so fast, especially there's like a 10 mile road ride out to the start of the Colorado trail. Um, when you start in Durango, like I just remember watching people like zip off and zip away and like trying to ride all this really technical stuff that just is honestly fast. Like if you just walk it, you're going the same exact speed, but you're like saving those muscles. You're yeah. saving the muscle groups for like when you actually can pedal some stuff. Um, so I think like number one, I always bring more food than you think you need. And I always stop to drink water, but it's just like slow and steady, especially like for those the first day or two like that's when if you like go too hard too fast your body you get sick like at least in my experience and starting ultras like i get it's like the ultra hack like three or four days in i like start uncontrollably hacking up like coughing up green and blue blue mucus i'm like what is in my lungs <laughs> what's blue in there <laughs> yeah i'm like why what color is this coming out of my body and you're just like hacking 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 and your nose is leaking and you think you have pneumonia or bronchitis so you just have to like take it easy on yourself and know that you're demanding a ton out of your body but like slow and steady and drinking it I think drinking water is also like my secret weapon. Yeah. I drink so much water. <laughs> well, it's hard like on like the I, bike, like every time, I don't know. It's just, it seems hard on the bike to remind yourself to drink water. It, I don't know if that, makes oh, it's, sense. It, especially for the Colorado, it's impossible. Cause you're like, at least you're like anaerobic <laughs> all the <laughs> yeah, time. Cause yeah. you're like trying so hard. Um, but I think you just have to be, like especially cognizant of it i'm like okay i have to drink water every like hour i make sure i take like at least a sip on my camel back um this year i remember specifically because there was so much walking that first day i, I swear to god i walked like almost all day um i just like every time i was walking i was just drinking as much water as i can like 12 to 15 liters at least a day. Wow. That's cool. So how do you decide like sleep though? That's the thing. Cause I watched, there's a documentary on YouTube 
which I'm sure you've probably uh-huh. seen. I can't remember what it's called, but it was about the Colorado Trail. It was like 30 minutes long, like a short film. Oh, was, yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, and it's awesome. And I'm just like, how do they decide when to sleep and, like, where's a good spot? Like, do you just go until you're so exhausted? But then that seems dangerous on a bike, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do generally go until I'm exhausted. <laughs> now, like, I, I keep pushing my perceived limits because I've been doing it longer. And, like, I know, like, actually it's better on the Colorado Trail because it is so technical. So, like... I never ever like doze off ever on that that trail. Like I could, I slept a lot less uh, during that race than I have some of my other races. And it's just like you can't doze off. But like with the tour divide, some of these like long yeah. straight roads, it's like you know three in the morning, the most lonely hour of the day, <laughs> and you're like dozing off, and you're like, oh my god, I gotta get off my bike, otherwise I'm gonna. I don't know, tip over and dive. Yeah. Um, but for some, of, for some of that stuff, like, I bring a lot of, like, lollipops. Um, there's, like, little things that I've I've had people tell me that if you shout it, it wakes you up. So sometimes I'll just yell random stuff. What's the most random um, thing you've yelled at? Three in the morning on a road completely by yourself <laughs> where if someone heard you, they'd probably be like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. Okay, so not like I don't. I pretty much only yell "yeehaw" because somebody <laughs> told me one time they're like, "That's what old cowboys like." That's why cowboys yeehaw is because it, it would keep them awake through the night when they were like going across the country for something. And, no like, I don't even way. know if that's true. I want to believe <laughs> that's <don't>, true. <laughs> so I believe it, and I yell it. So like when I get tired, I totally like holler yip. Yeehaw! As loud as I can, because I'm like, oh, if old cowboys did it, I do. Yeah, it's a proven but method. No, if old cowboys did it, yeah, like it has to be true. I'm, I'm not even gonna research it because it like works. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I like it. That's awesome. So I do that, but I did have this crazy experience. Like I said, this year during the Colorado Trail race, I slept less than I usually do, but my competition was so good this year. Uh, the woman that was behind me was, like, can pretty consistently, like, four hours behind me. Um, and, like, that's really close. Yeah. That's so close in my brain. Um, so I was like, really, really tired, and there was this long pavement section, and I was like, oh, God, like, I'm going to fall asleep. And um, I listen to, like, Pinsler Ojibwe lessons sometimes to try to learn how to speak Ojibwe. Um, and I was just, like, reciting some of the Ojibwe words that I knew. And I, like, see this horse, and he's totally just, like, prancing along the fence with me. And I'm, like, totally speaking to him in Ojibwe, like, the very few things that I know how to say. And finally, I get to, like, this little driveway intersection, and there's this, like, farmery guy in a straw hat just, like, looking at me, talking to this horse in, like, an indigenous Native American language. He's like, oh, my God, is she, like, cursing him? Or I don't, The way he looked at me was, like, crazy. And I also look crazy because I'm, like, wearing jean shorts and steel toe boots, and I have, like, dangly hoop earrings in he oh he's gonna be so confused by what's going on right now <laughs> what uh what's the origin of the steel toe boots that's so fun. so like 
uh, I used to weld years back, um, and I bought this really nice pair of like hand or like lo- made local boots from this company in Wisconsin um, for like welding school. My teachers said they were the best, and they had to be steel toe, and I'm like pretty poor, and I only have one pair of boots, so. That's just what I start wearing um, when I go adventuring. Like, I like I live in Arizona and I go on like bikepacking trips all the time. And like sometimes you get up into the snow or you have to hike through mud. Or I just want to like durable, reliable footwear that like I bought, you know, from a local manufacturer and they lasted. And they're just my only boots. That's awesome. So I just started wearing them on adventures, and now they're, like, the boots. Does it feel like uh, your superhero costume when you're, like, lacing those up before a race? <sighs> I wish it did. <laughs> I'm like, oh, where's my adventure boots? Like, you know, I am I mean, like, I'm ready to go on an adventure when I wear them. They have great ankle support. I've worn them. I think I've had them for, like, five years, and put some serious miles on them and they still like they still hold up they're great they That's smell awesome. pretty bad but <laughs> <laughs> well you know like the steel probably keeps the smell out right isn't that how that works yeah or something yeah no I, I actually have found it awesome for like i'm a pretty sloppy descend i like to ride as much as i possibly can and i will bash rocks a lot with my feet and with my when I have my steel toe boots on, it just don't even matter. So I think I'm a little more careless because I have like awesome footwear on, um, <laughs> which makes it like extra fun. I can ride most anything. Dude, you might start a trend for mountain biking, and like now everyone's wearing steel toe so. boots. <laughs> I hope so. It's pretty practical. Like this year on the Tour Divide, or no, actually we'll just like keep talking about Colorado Trail. There was a ton of fucking snow. Oh, this year was crazy. Yeah, this year was crazy. It was so crazy. I know. I went into it. I knew the conditions weren't even going to be that good because, oh, my God. So right before the Colorado Trail, I did a bike race um, in the upper peninsula of Michigan. It was like a 225-mile gravel grinder that was pretty tough. And that was the Saturday before uh, (laughs) the Colorado Trail. So I did that. It, like, destroyed me. I did a single speed, which it was. It's not a single speed course. Um, and then I rested Sunday because I finished. It, it was like twenty two hour, twenty four hours. I can't remember how long it took me. But then I rested Sunday. Got in my car, met my car, or met my friend in Wausau, Wisconsin, and then we drove to Colorado. Got there on like Wednesday night. Parked outside of Molis. I like found a ride. I don't even know how we got all these logistics. I left my car in Denver, got a ride to Mola's Pass, and then rode backwards on the Colorado Trail to get to Durango. Oh, no. <laughs> so we like tested. Like I realized how much snow there was up there. It took us like seven hours to go 15 miles or something. I was like, oh my god, we're never gonna make it in time. So I like I <laughs> I thought there was like. I was like, I'm pretty sure I see a, a trail on my Garmin that like, goes down here. I'm going to bail off the trail. He's like, well, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to ride the trail all the way to Durango. And he did. He totally did. But he also stayed up all night and then ended up scratching out of the race oh, the next, man. you know, a couple of days later. But 
there was not a trail. I <laughs> hiked through a river for like six hours, ended up like, I don't even know how I got out of there. I was pretty freaked out. I was like, what did I do? And there's no turning back now. Um, ended up in like this small town of Rico, Colorado. And I was like riding my bike on the highway and some guy in the truck pulls over. He's like, hey, are you Alexandra? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I've been like following your races, blah, blah, blah. He, like, I apparently rode with his wife one time and I was like, oh, cool. Can you give me a ride? <laughs> he, like, he like gave me a ride to uh, the nearest town and I don't even know how it all worked out. But it's like, he, he's like, I noticed boots. It's <laughs> <I was> like... <laughs> No way. Like, That's your calling how? card. That's awesome. I know. I know. He's like random guy. Like I'm in some, I'm like in the middle of nowhere, Colorado. And he just like pulls over his truck. He's like, I'm in a boot. <laughs> I was like, That's so cool. <laughs> the funny part is he probably was like, this is someone who knows what they're doing, like really capable, you know, rider. And then in your mind, you're like, oh my God, I was completely lost. Like went down a random trail. Where am I? Like that kind of thing. Yeah, no, it was totally that. I was like, oh my god, I didn't, I didn't realize it was like ninety road miles all the way to Durango. I was oh, like, no. I'm gonna have to ride a single speed mountain bike ninety miles on the pavement. Oh. It's gonna be dead. Oh. But it, it all ended up working out. Yes. I rode my bike for like fifteen miles. It was great. <laughs> so how many people? How many people like start the Colorado Trail Race? Uh, I don't even. I don't remember this year. Um, 70 maybe this year 970 okay. or 90 there there is a cap on it um just because you know there's that's a lot of people on this like big trail because there's so many people hiking it too um and i get that like i feel so thank i'm always so nice to those hikers out there because like by the time i'm going through you know there's at least like 10 people if not more ahead of me like and then however many behind me there are I'm like, thanks, guys. I'm so sorry. Every, mostly everyone's super cool out there. But oh, yeah. I think, like, I don't know. Let's just go with 70 or so. Yeah. Nice. Um, but I feel like half of the, at least this year, like half of the people drop out. Yeah. So at I, least I, I kind of read about that. Like, what what's the thing that's taking them out? You know? You said going out really uh, hard and like going out way too hard, which is, I feel like that's a, such a common thing for any endurance race is you get a, a lot of people just taking off like crazy. And I'm like, Oh, I always, I always have to like mentally tell myself too. Cause that temptation's always there where it's like, Oh my gosh, totally. I'm never going to pass these guys. But then you realize like, <laughs> no, like you're using a much smarter strategy, especially if the race is like 500 miles, you know? Right. It's like days of time. It's like, you know, it's days and days. So, like, <laughs> you got to remember. But even if you go out too hard, I think a lot of this, like, it's these expectations and egos um, that get us too. Because you're like, oh my God, I anticipated being uh, so much further by this time of day. Mm. Or, like, I, I think, at least in my experience, what I've done for some of these bikepacking races, especially when I first started out, I'd like look at people's times and be like, okay, you know, so-and-so did it in this many hours and so-and-so did it that many hours and not realize that I was like nowhere near the athletic caliber of those people. But like seeing that the top, you know, 10 people are going this fast, I'm like, oh, I totally got that. 
And when I first started, I really didn't. Um, so I think it's like being okay enough to be like, okay, I need to go to sleep early. And so what if you lose a couple places, but like everybody gets tired and everybody needs to sleep at some point. Yeah. Um, just like rest yourself, eat some food and get back out there. You don't have to go like super fast. Yeah. Forward, yeah. If, like, if you're going forward, you're going forward. <laughs> what are your like non-racing like non-biking uh friends and family like what do they say when you're like hey i'm just gonna real quick uh do the colorado trail or the tour divide (laughs) and by real quick i mean over a few days (laughs) (laughs) right no it's interesting there's like different levels of understanding so when i talk about like i'm doing a 160 mile bike race at the the end of um uh december december 27th um and I was talking to somebody about that, and he's like, oh, that's farther than it takes for me to drive to Minneapolis, and that takes me, like, three hours in a car. <laughs> like, oh, so they, they like, kind of, some people kind of get it. Some people have absolutely no idea. You know, like, when I talk about racing from Canada to Mexico, I'm like, yeah, that's really far. And somebody recently was like, you know what I never thought about weather? You know, you just picture it, like, sunny every day and warm every day but like you forget about wind and snow and hail and etc flooding sometimes bridges and stuff are closed it's like you know you don't think about those things but mostly everyone thinks that i'm like absolutely crazy (laughs) well what like what brought you into this sport and i know the journey is probably like way longer than a podcast could even like capture you know but like what eventually because i don't know sometimes when i'm in a race i always i i do think about like isn't it crazy that all of my experiences led me right here right now to this moment and even if i'm like suffering it kind of like i don't know kind of like grounds me a little bit and and makes me appreciate what i'm what i'm doing if that makes sense yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And, like, there's so many different answers that I could give you. And, like, there's so many, like, intimate, personal, and emotional things that go with it. But I think, at least in my experience, what it all boils down to is, like, I spent a long time, like, bike touring. I've been bike touring for a lot of years. And I stopped as I started getting older. Um, I My friends, you know, started buying houses and having real jobs and, I stopped being able to easily find people to go with me and I go by myself and it was okay, but I missed having like that relationship with other people. Um, so I was like, okay, I think I'll just start signing up for races. Cause at least like I might see another biker on the trail and then it turned into like my first race I did. I, it was a Boise smoke and fire. And I finished, the only two people that beat me was one guy on, like, the skinniest tires ever and another guy who's, like, 70. And everybody else in the entire race beat me. I had, it was, like, the hardest thing I ever did, and I thought I was going to die, and it was the worst. But I had made all these, so I had made so many friends just, like, in passing or riding together, like, yeah. at the restaurants or whatever. And I started just, like, wanting those people around because they made me a better version of myself 
And as I started, like, getting stronger and uh, learning more and getting better at it, I started riding with even stronger people that were faster. And then people, like, at the end of races would be like, oh, I know you're really good at, like, hike-a-biking, and I'm going to be a lot better hike-a-biker now because I saw how much you walked. Or I can be like, oh, yeah, I chased you up that hill. And it just became about, for me anyways, like, the community of people who are seeking out how to better themselves in whatever, however better way, you know, like athletically, perseverance-wise, whatever kind of battles you overcome in these long races. Yeah. What do you think it is? Because I've had that same experience too with the, you bond with someone so deeply and, you know, uh, I look back on it. I'm like, I only knew that person for like a few days, like, Total. Yeah, but I feel like super connected to him even to this day. And this was like, I mean, to, for a couple different examples going through my head, but like even races I did years ago, I still kind of am like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. And like, but what is it about like a long endurance race that draws people to one another? I and I don't know. And I think about like specific people. I I have a lot of specific people I can really remember like sharing these moments. Um, I had this pretty intense day with this guy. I don't even remember his name right now. <laughs> um, but there's this, this guy who he is just like fast and strong and he was on a geared bike and he passed me on the Tyrrell detour on the road. And I ended up catching up to him in the, the hill climbs. And I was so used to like burning people. Anytime I climb hills on my single speed now, I just lose all the geared riders. And, like, by that time, we're, like, tired, exhausted. It's the last day of the race. And all of a sudden, I get on my saddle, and I'm climbing. And I expected to, like, see him way behind me. But he was, like, climbing like a single speeder on his geared bike. And it was just, like, the most magical moment. And we rode together for, like the next six hours and then this thunderstorm came and I think it's just like you're exhausted you're vulnerable you like feel like you can't do it and then all of a sudden you see somebody and you're like oh if this person can do it like why can't I do it and it keeps you like going in a way that like I think most of us would kind of throw in the hat on our own um it's, I don't know it's like the most magical intimate experiences that I've had. It's just like with these people who I would never otherwise talk to, hang out, meet probably. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it's just like like... you're like so mentally and physically just worn out or you're just driving, like you're driven, you're going to this, like you're just so like uh, goal oriented. I wonder if that has something to do with it where it's just like allows you to like, be yourself with no like weird like I don't know trying to like you know how it is when you just meet someone normally you're like oh like it's very official or whatever but when when you're out on the trail it's just like oh we both smell terrible and uh (laughs) we're covered in mud (laughs) exactly well and like thinking in terms of these like long-term races like the first day or two I don't develop those like really intimate relationships. It's like after day three or day four, when you start realizing like some of you guys are at the same fitness and I start seeing the same people day after day. And you know how hard you're trying. Yeah. 
and you just like gain this immediate respect for this other person. You're like, they're trying hard too. And I think that's super badass. And you start to like really respect somebody a lot. And I'm like, okay, I really respect this person. I'm inspired by this person. And then they like keep surprising you keep seeing them you're like oh god that person like passed me and i'll never see them again and then like six hours later you're like hey what are you doing like pooping in the bushes or something (laughs) yeah like oh god you're a human too (laughs) (laughs) but i respect you you're like i've drawn so much inspiration and you're pooping in the in the trees right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally i think it's like honestly it's the community and like how much you build your own self up by being like other people being the best versions of themselves. And you're just like leaving all the, all the shit talking, like you leave every bad thing behind and you're just like, you want to beat this person, but you also are like happy to have somebody who knows what you're going through. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, I think another aspect is like, you guys all go on the same trail. Like everyone goes through the same obstacles, you know? So when you get to a point further in the race where you see somebody, you're like, yeah, it's exactly that. Like I've gone through this, this person's gone through the exact same thing as me, like exact same trail. And it just is this like bonding experience, I guess. Right. And you're like at the same exact level of fitness and you like, at least for me, um, I spend most of my winter thinking about and training for ultra season, and I know how much time and energy I put into it outside of like that actual moment of the race, and I feel ultra connected to these people because I know that they also are like you know taping how many days it is until the race is away to so their like bathroom mirrors and stuff. Like yeah. we're all crazy obsessed about this same thing, so. Like, let's do it. I don't know. It's so, it's the people are like the coolest part about it for oh, me. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, so take us back real quick to the very first. You said it was the Boise Smoke and Fire? Yeah, Boise Smoke and Fire. And I think, like, it'll probably forever be my, like, like, it's like my, you know, like my first boyfriend, like my first love. <laughs> I, that race, like, blew my mind away with how hard it was and the way that it, so I fell in, I fell into that race kind of in a really intense and emotional way for myself. I had earlier this, this summer, I had ridden my bike from Tucson all the way to Banff. And then my goal was to race the Tour Divide back down. But I spent two months like doing the craziest adventure up to Banff. And it was like the most fun bike trip I'd ever had in my life. I was with this guy that I was like madly in love with and I didn't want to break off from riding with him. So I stayed with him way longer than I expected. Um, and then I made it to Banff, but by the time I made it to Banff, I had like 200 bucks left in my bank account or something. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get all the way to Mexico, but I'm going to try it. And I needed new bike parts and I needed new tight. I needed all sorts of new stuff. And like, I finally made it across the border and I tore my sidewall descending uh, Galton Pass. And I like tried, I tried so hard to like tape it together, trying to get it to work. And I just like didn't have enough money to even buy a new tire. I was like, uh, so I scratched and I rode my bike um, 
my sidewall held up for like six months after that, by the way. <laughs> but um, I rode my bike um, down to Boise to catch a, uh, I could find a cheap bus ticket from Boise. So I'm hanging around in Boise for a couple of days waiting for my bus to leave. And I pop in at a bike shop and they're like, oh, we have a bike packing race in September. Uh, it's called the Smoke and Fire. You should come. I was like, oh, okay. And it turned out that it was over my birthday weekend. I was like, huh, that's interesting. So I went home and, like, didn't know how. I didn't have any money. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get to Boise. But what I'm going to do that year, it's redemption for Scratching on Tour Divide, is race in eight races, eight races in my 28th year of life, and redo the Tour Divide. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start training early, do the smoke and fire. I had been, like, put in contact. I reached out to the race director. I'm like, hey, I can't really afford to, like, fly or drive with my bike. Um, do you know somebody I can ship it to? And I, he ended up, like, hooking me up with this guy. He let me ship my bike to his house, and then he picked me up from the airport and, like, dropped me off. And, like, during the race, it took me a lot longer than I thought, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to catch my flight home. I think I'm going to have to scratch. And he's like, if you just leave your bike in my backyard, I'll box it and ship it to your house. Oh, that's awesome. Like this random guy that I had just, right? Like I just met him during the race. So I like got into town at like 3.30 in the morning, um, called a taxi, asked the taxi to like bring me to this address that this guy wrote on a card. <laughs> I left my bike in his backyard. I was like, I hope that gets it. I got to the airport. For my 6 a.m. flight at like 5:15. So wait, you finished the like, race oh. at 3:30 and then made a f- your flight. And then I made my flight. <laughs> <laughs> That's some like extra was, motivation at the end, you know? Oh my god! And my Garmin died at like two or three miles from the finish. I was like, oh my god! It was like the mess. I didn't have any lights anymore. Those ran out. It was like, a super like moony night. It was like every possible thing that had gone could have gone wrong did, but there's like this divide in the highway where you see a sign that says Boise 15 miles down down this hill, or like the Garmin route has you go. It's like another 40 miles or something. I'm like, I gotta finish. I'm so close. <laughs> you know, I had like 12 hours at that point. I was like, I got this. I got this. And I ran out of light and ended up having to walk. And it was just. <laughs> It was so bad, but I finished. Even like pretty close to last, but I finished, which was like already redemption for me quitting the Tour Divide. And I was like, okay, one race down. And then throughout the year, um, I ended up running my first marathon that year. And I did a canoe race. I did all sorts of crazy stuff. That's awesome. Well, so if yeah. you if you hadn't been signed up for seven more races after that, mm-hmm. do you think, like, just pretend like that was the only race you were planning on doing that year, would you have signed up? I, I mean, would you have continued down this path? Or is that like, I was already committed to these seven other things, so even though that was kind of a rough experience, I really loved it, and, you know... It was more that I really wanted to do the Tour Divide again, and I realized that doing it alone my first time as racing it, because I've toured it before, and I always had a friend with me or a partner, and, like, so much of 
cycling is like the community for like for me the community and the relationships that I have around it um it's not just like the riding it's the people and the intimacy that the act of riding brings so like I didn't have fun I didn't have any of the fulfilling experiences that I get out of biking doing it by myself so I was like okay I'm gonna go next year for the grand depart but I just wanted to like be more fit I think than I thought I was so like that smoke and fire race horrible horrible I was like (laughs) okay well if I can do that yeah I can run a marathon like that can't be that hard it was that was hard too yeah that's wasn't like was it just different challenge at that point it was super different well um there's this guy that had inspired me my buddy um peter uh we worked at whole foods together but he was this like crazy ultra runner um doing all these crazy ride runs and he just has like a pretty normal life but like i've never seen somebody so passionate about running and he was talking to me about the um whiskey like the it was a in Prescott I can't remember it's like the whiskey road marathon or whatever okay um start at like five or six thousand feet and then climb up to eight thousand and then turn back and do it all but I was like living in Minnesota training for my first marathon that was in May in Prescott in the elevation and it murdered me my only goal was to finish under six hours and i i did it was like 552 there you go um right but like i didn't know what 3000 feet of climbing in a running race was like and it was murder (laughs) it was so hard i don't know how y'all do it it's so impressive what about the uh the canoe race what was that like (laughs) it was also so hard the only like (laughs) I had I had planned on doing the Trans North Georgia, but something felt like I knew I wasn't going to be able to make it out there to do that. Um, and I was like out with some of my old bosses, like my old boss um, from when I was a nanny, and like some of his like fifty year old friends, and we're all having beers, and they're like getting super jazzed about this canoe race that's coming up. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like that's a thing, and. Um, they're like, oh, we have an extra canoe. Like, all you need to do is find a partner. And like, oh, you'll totally do fine. I like only leisurely, like, canoed for fun. Um, so it's like me and my buddy who have never canoed together. Like, okay, let's go do this 15-mile canoe race. Didn't sound like it was going to be that hard. And, like, we get out into the water, and they blow, the, like, the race gun. And we're, like, facing backwards. <laughs> like, don't know how to straighten the canoe out. <laughs> It was, it was so bad, but I was laughing so hard because I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know canoeing was hard. It's a fun, like just doing something that you have no experience in with your friends. Because me and my buddies did, uh, we've done a few adventure races, and I remember uh-huh. the very first one. We were so pumped about the canoe. We're like, dude, we're gonna get to the canoe. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. The current will take us. It'll be fine. And we get to the canoe. And I think we had to like strap our bikes on the canoe somehow. So we like strapped our bikes uh-huh. on and we start canoeing. And literally within five minutes, me and my friend were like, dude, canoeing kind of sucks, doesn't it? And he's like, yeah, 
<laughs> and then we just cussed out canoeing for the next two hours, basically. Right? And that's how it is. Like, we literally got passed by a guy on a stand-up paddleboard. <laughs> and, like, we couldn't catch him. <laughs> We're like, what is wrong with us? You can just, you know, you see him and, like, in a canoe race. Like, a foot is actually a really long way to be ahead of somebody. And we're like, oh, let's get him. And we're, like, paddling, paddling. And this guy is still pulling away from us. Like, (laughs) we suck, dude. (laughs) That's hilarious. It was fun. It was super humbling. It's super rad. Yeah. Um, It's it's cool. And then you – but then, like, doing these – all these different types of of events, like, I feel like you do draw, you know, lessons that kind of – you know are overarching like it's going to show up no matter what you know even if it's a canoe race for 15 miles i'm sure you learned something there that you could use on tour divide and you know like maybe it's even like just laugh at yourself sometimes because it's ridiculous yeah because uh you're not trained and these people are in like carbon fiber canoes (laughs) um (laughs) so like that's a thing but no i think um like signing up for all of these other races where like I didn't really know how or what I was supposed to be doing. Just like really helps humble you knowing that you're not that good. You know, you can't be that good at everything, but if you can be like chill and humble about it, you can like learn how to be a better athlete in these things because like, at least for like ultra races, it's not just like having good bike fitness. Um, it's about having a strong core and like I ride a single speed. So I need like my triceps were the most, were in the most pain. Like when I did the tour divide this year, I expected my butt to hurt or my legs to hurt. It was my triceps. I was like, I didn't even know that I had triceps. So it like doing all these other things helps you become a more fit athlete. And like the more fit you are multidimensionally, like the stronger the longer you can ride the longer it takes for you to get fatigued yeah well, i think can we talk a little bit about tour divide because i mean that obviously okay. is like one of the most epic biking events in the country um yeah and i saw that you set a fixed speed record on it is that correct yeah i set the sing- the women's single speed record this year that's awesome congrats Thank you. It was like my, I just wanted to get faster than 19 days. I was like obsessing about it uh, for a while and I was really trying. Um, I trained all winter for it um, as much as I, I don't really, I don't have a trainer. I don't, I have like a job. I have a, I work full time and I go to school full time and most of the time I'm in a relationship. Um, so it's like juggling all these real life things and trying to train, except I don't know how, um, but I'm learning. And I think what I did this year paid off, um, as far as like going into the 2019 race. Um, I had some real big, real good days in the beginning. I think it was up until like day nine or so, like half about halfway through the race. I was leading the overall single speed race. Dang. I was like beating all the guys on single speed too. Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> this is not like, I used to weigh 300 pounds. So I was like, I'm not an athlete. Like, what is going on? Like, all these people must have gotten like food poisoning or something. What, what's, what is it about single speed that 
that draws you to that? Oh, I'm now like a hundred percent switched over to single speed. Um, for like obvious, there's like a million reasons behind everything I think that I do. But um, one of the things that I've really come to like learn in this life is that almost everything like you're told isn't like isn't true. At least everything I was told when I was growing up was like not true and like questioning what somebody tells you um is a lesson that like can permeate into like the rest of your life so like i always was told that like geared bikes are faster and geared bikes are better and then i was like okay i'm gonna get single speed and this is all i have and this is all i have got and so it's just me and my bike and like there's no excuses and i learned that like a single speed can be faster. And it just like reminded me that like you should question everything and find out the answers for yourself. Because like that, um, like having, it costs less to have just a single speed bike, but it's just like so intimate and wonderful. It's so wonderful. Plus, I always used to be like, I suck at climbing. I suck. I'm the worst. And then you get a single speed bike and like 99% of the time I'm the first one to the top of the hill. Really? Whenever, like if I, if I start at the base with like a bunch of geared riders, I climb so much faster than I ever did. What? Why is that, that? Like I'm a, like I've never tried to ride a single speed bike. So what, like, can you kind of explain you, that? Because, How does that work? Sure. Yeah, you have two options. You can either ride your bike or you can walk it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's, like, no downshifting. Um, when you're on a geared bike, you know, it gets too hard and you just downshift and then you're you're spinning a lower, a lower gear ratio and you're just, like, spinning out. So you're getting fewer turns for, like, every revolution that you're pushing. But when you're on a single speed, you have, like, this one gear and that's all you have. And if you feel like quitting then you have a long way to walk so i'm just like okay this is what i have and i go literally until i can't and like most of the time like i get to the bottom of the hill i'm like okay i'm just gonna go as high as i can and then walk and so many times like for the tour divide most of it's uh rideable um but I get to, like, I can see the summit. I'm like, well, now I might as well ride to the top because I can see yeah. it. Yeah. No way. Okay, so but, that makes sense to me because every time I, like, downshift into a lower gear and then I start spinning crazy, it just gets hard again because I just slow down. Right, yeah. And it's just like it, you breathe heavier and you're just spinning, 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 and then it gets harder and then you have to downshift and you're just slowing down the entire time. But, like... That totally I don't, makes and sense. It, you just blew my mind. Right? <laughs> mind blown. Well and, well, and like... Yeah. I have a no, pretty non-traditional, like, a not normal cyclist body type. Um, I'm, like, a big framed person with, like, pretty big muscles. And I've found that, like, I can put... I can generate a lot of power. Like, I do... I deadlift and squat quite a bit. Um for my training I'm like really strong I don't have like the greatest cardio um I so I don't like spinning super a lot I'd rather like 
get on my saddle and push a really hard gear because I have big legs. I'm like, if I can just push a harder gear, I can climb a lot faster and just get the hill fucking done with or the mountain or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I, and it's over. <laughs> I was doing uh, ultra run and I just got randomly, just like we were talking about earlier, I started talking to this guy, this older guy. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I remember during it, we were going up this hill and it was like, it was a long, it was probably like three miles up this hill. And the whole uh-huh. time he's like, all right, I'm going to tell you the secret to ultra running. And I was like, okay. And he's like, but I'm going to tell you when we get to that rock right up the trail. I'm like, all right. So we get to the rock up the trail and he's like, all right, you ready for the secret of ultra running? I'm like, yeah, tell me. And he's like, I'm going to tell you about it when we get to this tree (laughs) up the trail. So we go up there and then I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I see what this guy's doing. He's like Jedi, like Yoda, like teaching me the way, you know? And then he does this for like the next 10 minutes. And eventually we got to a point and he just goes, secret to ultra running is is keeping your electrolytes balanced with water. And I was like, what? (laughs) I thought you were doing a whole thing. (laughs) But I don't know. Either it was the funniest joke of all time to him or or what. But I was it just made me laugh because I was like. I, it's the what you just said where you're like, oh, I can go a little bit farther. And then you're like, oh, I can, I guess I can go a little farther. Oh, I'm almost to the top, you know? Yeah, I might as well. Like, I mean, I guess that is the secret. It's just like breaking it into <laughs> yeah. realistic smaller things. It's not like Canada to Mexico. It's like to the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. Or no. exactly. to the top of that thing. It's it's like the or, secret of an endurance race is to endure. And you're like, oh, yeah, duh. Yeah. That's all you got to do? Like, yep. <laughs> it's not that hard. Like, do the best you can. There's always somebody better. Um, so, like, be humble and chill about it, but fucking try hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. We were talking right before we started recording about just how crazy busy real life is. And then telling people that you're going to go, you know, like you said, this week, you're going to go ride 160 miles uh, through Wisconsin, which would be very cold, I must add. But but like in your (laughs) mind, you're like, that's easier. Like, all I have to do is just keep going. And all the other things on the to do list go bye bye for a a couple of days. Right. That's like the easiest, best part. I spend nine months out of my life like yearning and waiting and anticipating ultra season and i think like at least for me so much of like having a normal real life um keeps me like committed out there so like when i want to quit i'm like what else would i be doing like if i stop racing right now like i've been waiting all year for this what else would i go home and do nothing like i've been waiting for this i wanted i've been praying for this so like even if it sucks even if everything's like going to hell or I can't go any further. Like, I, this is a, I, this is what I live for. This is what I want. I've been, that, that's what gets me through my home life. Like, okay, school is really busy right now. This week is so hectic. But like, oh yeah, I remember, like, ultra season is coming. Yeah. <laughs> like, it'll be here soon enough. You'll get to see all your friends, and you'll get to eat like all the crappiest food in the entire world, and you get to see like the sunrise a hundred million times and the most beautiful places so, like that gets me through day-to-day life and then when i'm out altering i'm like this is so much easier than <laughs> you know regular life back home yeah 
Yeah, one one 100%. That, I mean, and it's funny because I think people outside of who have never done an ultra event, like, I don't know if they'd understand that. And if you, if you trying to explain it to them is like, no, like the, the day to day grind is, is harder. Like, I promise you it's, there's more stuff. Yeah, like, your brain's more exhausted by the end of it. That's what's, it's so hard, especially like for a really long time, I struggled with like coming back from my racing season or bike touring or whatever I was doing, um, for the summer and then come back to real life. And I just get this like soul crushing depression where I was like, I had a purpose out there. You know, you wake up and go and you have to like get to this town or get to water or like these yeah. things that like fundamentally keep you from dying. And here I just like go to my sink and turn on water or I go to my fridge and like everything I can eat everything. And it's just like so much harder <laughs> to be a regular human than yeah. it is to be an ultra person <laughs> um so to to wrap up a little bit just a couple of quick because i mean you've done so many races and there's like so much i i wanted to ask about for sure but just uh kind of wrap up a just a qu series of quick questions so sure what has been the most challenging moment for you physically during one of these events um I definitely would have to say that the push on the Colorado Trail, the push from Durango up Kennebec all the way over 10 mile, not 10 mile, that's further, um, Cataract Ridge, Indian Ridge, by the time, by the time you get to Slumgullion Pass, is like, that was like the hardest push of my entire life, and I think that was like, I don't even remember how long it took me, but it's like you're up, you get up to 13,000 feet. And for this year, that was like the hardest. I've never been so exhausted. So felt so weak. So like, Oh my God, I can't do it. But I was like, like I, I, I rode with, uh, who, who's now one of my really good friends from this, uh, my buddy, Andrew, um, and this guy named Mocha. Um, and it was all three of us just like dead quiet doing the hardest physical thing I've ever done. It was so crazy, but you get yeah. to the, you get to the high point on the Colorado trail and you just like take a picture and you're like, Oh my God. Okay. It's only a couple <laughs> more hours until I get to some pavement. Everyone's picture there is smiling, but you know, inside their <laughs> brain, they're like, God damn it. It was that was like the hardest thing, and like I did, I've done it both. I've done the Colorado Trail both ways, and like hands down, starting in Durango that first day, first two and a half, day, one day, however many long that push was, was like the hardest physical. You can't breathe. You're exhausted. It's like it was that's oh, hard for sure. The well, hardest, and it's funny because that uh, short film that I watched, they are going the opposite way. And uh -huh. every single person there like interviews, like probably like 20 different people at a, at that point. And they're all uh -huh. like, that was the best part of the race. We cruised down for so long. <laughs> yeah. And you describing it. I'm like, Oh, she went the other way. The other way is oh, way yeah. worse. <laughs> the other way is like hard. It's like humbling. And you really gotta be like taking care of yourself. Plus like, 
I, I got to it this year, and it was, like, perfect weather. Um, but, like, it is exposed, and it's scary. It can be so scary for so many people if you get a thunderstorm or anything. Oh, that so, like, terrifying. Hands down, that is, like, the most intense, and it's, like, especially if, like, the outside, like, if nature is making you question anything, like, feeling rushed would even make it harder. But I think that's, like, out of all the crazy bike packing, bike stuff, um, racing wise, that was like the hardest physical thing I've ever yeah. done. So this, the answer to the next one might be the same then. Uh, was there, has there been any moment that's been really challenging mentally where you considered, you know, throwing the towel in or anything like that, that you ultimately like push through? Um, no, I mean like, that, I feel like that happens like like once a day um now that i'm like a little bit more seasoned in it now i kind of know what to expect or what to like what's going to come but i do remember like the tour divide uh the year the first year that i won it for the ladies um i got to um uh i got to now it's like one of my favorite parts but um I ended up like I had busted a spoke and earlier in the race and I had wrapped it around another one, but I forgot about the little tiny nub that was like close to my cassette and the, the spoke ended up bending into my cassette and my wheel didn't spin freely anymore. And I couldn't get the spoke out without taking my cassette off. Ooh. And I'm like, Oh, it's Brasso's Ridge. I was on Brasso's Ridge, which is, like, a pretty technical, bumpy, high part of the Tour Divide. And I was like, I can't I can't ride my bike anymore. Like, what am I going to do? And, like, my number one advice to people is, like, when they want to quit, just sit down and eat some food. So I, like, sat down to scoop some peanut butter out, and I, like, looked at my spork. And I totally used my spork to get my cassette off. <laughs> You had like the movie it like, moment. It's like in a movie where yeah, you're like, it was, like, it was so epic. <laughs> so I totally got my spork out and took my cassette off and like got the spoke out and like didn't even end up replacing the spoke for like the rest of the race. I just rode without that missing spoke. And like, I was pretty intent on giving up there. Oh, I had a pretty epic want to give up in the, uh, the Dirty Kansas XL this year, um, like 240 miles into like the 350 mile race, or I don't know, maybe 260. It was somewhere in there. Day two, all the 200 racers start passing me. Like you, you pass each other, um, and I was just like getting all juiced up because I was seeing other people, and I was like, "This is awesome!" And I snapped my pedal off in the middle of nowhere. Like like right at the like bolt I was like oh my god what am I gonna do and I like I tried everything I tried taping a rock to my crank arm um that did not work uh so I'm like walking my bike walking my bike asking people if that nobody carries an extra pair of pedals in a bike race and uh I called my support and I was like hey can you guys come get me and they're like oh you're pretty far back on the course uh you need to get to a road before we can pick you up. I'm like, oh, fine. Like I'll keep walking to get out of here. And I'm walking and I like lay in the grass and cry. Cause I was like already quit in my head. 
And I just keep going forward and asking everyone if they have a pedal and nobody has a pedal and I'm devastated. And then all of a sudden, like out of a fairy tale, some guy's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, do you need anything? I'm like, yeah, I need a pedal if you got one. (laughs) He's like, oh, is my crank brothers okay? I was like, are you kidding? So he totally hooked me up with a pedal and uh, disappeared. I was able to finish the race. No, yeah, it was the, be- it was <laughs> he, the best. He yeah, like, disappeared like a into, the, into like a cornfield or something. <laughs> yeah, he's like not a real person. <laughs> no, it was like that was like the most I ever. I like actually quit in my head, but oh, I had to get out of the backcountry. And then, and then this guy, I was like, well, I guess I have no excuse now, and. I totally finished. That's awesome. So if someone's listening right now, they could be like, okay, I need to put a spork in my bike kit. Yeah. Put a spork and like, and (laughs) maybe, maybe no, I don't think it's like, I have like, first off those pedals I had done like, I don't know, 50,000 miles of biking on. So that was (laughs) problem one. Problem two is that like, I have so much power from my legs and I ride a single speed bike. So yeah, yeah. I blame it on that. <laughs> too much power. Um, I'm too strong. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I okay. So last kind of idea here was: Have you had any moment where your mindset shifted? Because you know when you go into like you're not you started off and you're like I'm not a bike racer, and then was there any moment? Because then you started winning races and setting records. Like was there a moment where that you can really define as like, oh, this is where my mindset shifted a bit. Um, no, not really. Like, I like, I really enjoy winning. It is super awesome, especially like in the races that you really care about and like people that you've really looked up to have won these races. Like, it is awesome. But like, I also lose a ton of races. Like, my local gra- I race in gravel. I'm terrible at it. So it's like, because I try all these things that I'm not necessarily, I'm like, I'm not that good at day races at all. It takes like five days for me to even get strong. Um, so it's like not, I feel super blessed when I do get to win. I don't know that any mindset has changed. I just like trying my best and like, helping other people try their best That's and awesome. it's, it's it's like it's a community it's a people so yeah that's yeah. what that's what i think it out of it definitely well i'm about to take my daughter out on her bike because we have like an hour and a half of daylight and it's super nice here right in colorado right yeah, now that's awesome. so is there any message i should tell my daughter and be like hey I just talked to this complete badass writer, um, and this is what she says. <laughs> Keep in oh, mind, my daughter's so bike is covered in <laughs> unicorns, but her helmet has a skull and crossbones on it, just to describe. Okay, that is so punk. Well, it's like kind of what I mentioned before. Um, I think you should question everything, because when you seek the answers, you empower yourself and... Um, you don't need somebody else to do that for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. She does question everything, by the way. No, that, that's awesome. And that's how it, like, 
once you start questioning everything, like you don't need inspiration, you just need to ask why, and then you'll find out and you know inspire yourself. That's awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. It was, I'm super inspired by you, and uh, yeah, I definitely like kind of want to like follow along with your adventure from here on out. So, where can people kind of like uh, find more information? Oh, that's holy. I like, I don't do social media. Um, I do keep a blog. Yeah. Um, but I also like, I only update it like after I do races. So it's like pretty much only about races. Oh, that's, that's, um, so it'll have to be through like legend. Like people will have to like be like, yeah, it's like all mystery word of mouth. The steel toed boot bike rider. (laughs) Yeah. You only know if, uh, you're my friend in real life. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, at some point, I would definitely love to to catch up with you again at some point. Yeah, for sure. Like, let's be in touch. Plus, like, you definitely should ride the Colorado Trail. It's epic. Oh, and it's um, tempting. This will be sure. a good. It'll be a good. I'm doing a, doing a big race here this year. I graduate in May. So I'm going to spend like take a little bit of time off and just play for a while. So awesome. All right, ladies and gents, that'll do it for our first episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast of 2020. Um, Alexandra, thank you so much. Like I said in the intro, it was it was so inspiring to talk with you and just super fun. Like I just love the misadventures. I love fixing your bike with a spork. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, I just like the athletes and the people and the adventurers who just go out and they get it done and it doesn't matter what obstacles are thrown in their way they just find a way to overcome and persevere because at the end of the day that's what endurance sports is about you know you could get into all the fine details and and stuff about you know uh equipment and all that stuff which is definitely useful don't get me wrong but i just i just like at the end of the day someone digging deep and getting it done but at the same time just loving it and and really enjoying the process and the adventure because finish lines are great and you feel good but that sense of accomplishment is definitely is fleeting and whether that's weeks or months or or whatever but the adventure that you have and the lessons that you learn throughout the event is really the thing you take away and you take back home with you um and I just love hearing about uh, hearing athletes really open up and share about, uh, you know, kind of the lessons they learned. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, for everyone listening out there, I just want you. <laughs> I'm recording the intro and outro right now, and I wish you could see me. I'm wearing this like windbreaker that my wife gave me for Christmas. And and I. I, I at the same time for whatever reason I'm in my basement by myself like no one's around but I keep like doing hand motions when I'm like talking here you know like I'm like a like a break dancer about ready to just start you know busting some moves um and I just thought you guys should appreciate that because <laughs> I I caught myself doing it and I'm like man I feel I feel kind of ridiculous right now <laughs> um anyways 2020 we got a lot of really cool interesting people lined up um 2019 was amazing i keep making posts on our facebook and instagram thing about which guests we've had on in the hopes that really you guys go back and and listen to uh 
check out like check just check out the library i think i've been able to talk to a lot of really cool unique diverse people like i didn't want to just make this an only ultra running show i wanted it to be a little more about adventures and just athletes in general um with definite a definite ultra running ultra endurance kind of kind of flavor to it for sure um but if you look back it's been cool like i went back through every episode that i recorded in 2019 and i just kind of like looked at the names of the guests and i was trying to like reflect on the stories that they shared and um it's been awesome man we've had everything we've had some obviously like some of the best ultra runners in the world but at the same time we had stories of someone uh, doing the I did a route on his bike Steve Cannon that was that was another one actually after I got done recording with Alexandra I I thought back to because I just really enjoyed um, Steve's perspective as well um, we had going to Antarctica on your bike we had Ryan Wanless running the Arrowhead 135 last year that was one of my favorites uh, my buddy Jake Reed um, who's a PhD in sports performance we we had a good chat about his first 50k but at the same time we watched a video of professional wrestler rick flair trying to do a deadlift and we're trying to critique his deadlift form <laughs> uh and then even what we started 2019 with amanda pelkey talking about the usa women's gold medal hockey game against canada um from a few years ago it's just been it's been awesome and obviously like everyone else there's a whole bunch of handful of adventures so please go back and check those out um i like i said i've really really enjoyed it so uh, yeah, that wraps it up. We'll get back at you guys uh, next week. See you then.